I so I was at, I I begin with this um, before we start reading this paper. I, I wanted to address something real quick. Is that as we talk about Father's Day today, there is a reality that to many of us it brings joy and, and happiness, as as we're reminded. But to others, it reminds us of hurt. It also reminds us of the feelings of rejection or or the feelings of not good enough, you know, never amount to nothing, you know. So those kind of thoughts easily invade our hearts and we, and then we begin to get depressed and discouraged. So the thoughts about uh, Father's Day, celebrating Father's Day, is difficult. And so keeping that in mind, I, I also want to share a story with you is that uh, growing up, my, my dad passed away whenever I think I was about 19 something like that and, and uh, growing up without my father in those years uh, it, it, it was it was difficult because I noticed now that I understand more about my story I, I'm able to look back and I noticed that I would try to find that kind of fatherly affirmation with other people and I'm reminded that not all the times the people that I looked to for that affirmation were good role models and as long as I was receiving some kind of affirmation, I, I remember how I would long for that. And so uh, there was a, a, a few brothers that I was, uh, you know, uh, hang out with, and not brothers in the Lord. <laughs> they were all brothers, and they were like five brothers. And, and I remember their dad, you know, like being around with them and seeing their dad the way he was and stuff. And so... I almost felt like part of the family because, you know, I'll go eat breakfast in the mornings over there and stuff like that. And so just hanging out with them. But I remember to this day, though, how I would long for that kind of affirmation, like, hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, you're actually, uh, you know, succeeding in this area or just some kind of affirmation that would make you feel valuable, that would make you feel, like, worthy. And so, you know... Longing for that kind of affirmation begins to shape life. Whether you were rejected at a young age, whether your dad was present but he really wasn't present, you know, all of those things begin to shape our lives and then they begin to hinder us in the way we relate to others as we grow up. And see, sometimes we're like, well, where did I get that from? And if you look back, you see how that's shaped the way you are today. So whether your dad was present or absent, those things begin to shape your life. Because we begin to find some kind of, uh, you know, person that we look to for that kind of affirmation. And so what I want to look at today is from, as a father, the way we relate to our children or, or even the way we relate to people around us, it's good that we evaluate our story. And as we evaluate our story, we see how that has shaped us to who we are today. And, you know, there was many fathers that were present in, in people's lives and they were good fathers, you know, trying to lead them in the right way, trying to do good for their kids. And so the father... You know, all fathers are supposed to reflect our Heavenly Father. We're not going to do it perfectly. As we know as fathers, like, man, it's difficult. I'm a father to five children. 
And four of those children are not my own. They're my wife's children. But I took them as my own children. And so being a father to my son, which he's back there, to my other four children, like that was that was hard. Understanding how to work through that was difficult. Like there was no manual that you could read on the instructions how to be this kind of father. So learning through those mistakes, learning through those moments where you felt like you were running out of uh, energy, but all the time, God, my heavenly father, was my perfect example of how he adopted rebellious kids and brought them into his family. So you see, in that I began to understand how my Heavenly Father was that perfect example for me. Although I didn't have an earthly father to look to, I can always look to my Heavenly Father. And so that is what I want us to look at today. In this paper, I'm going to read through these different examples. So follow with me as we read through the paper. Uh, again, this is by Mike Bickle in Passion for Jesus. He describes other kinds of earthly fathers who may have warped our view of God as our Father. So this is what it's saying. Our earthly fathers can easily shape the way we relate to God. So if our earthly father was always absent from our life, we're going to think that God's going to abandon us sooner or later. If we fail him, God's going to all of a sudden chuck the deuce on us and leave. Or maybe our earthly father was very strict, very disciplined. You mess up, hey, you get punished. So we relate to our heavenly father in the same manner. We're thinking that immediately he's going to punish us the moment we mess up. So I might be the only one that wrestles with those kind of issues. But so, as we see it today, we're going to look at these different examples. So the first one says, the distance or passive father. This is the emotionally distant or passive father expresses his affections in a minimal way. He assumes you know he loves you, but he rarely speaks it. However, you don't know he sees or uh, however, you don't know he sees or feels your pain or joy when something wonderful or tragic happens. The passive father just nods his head. You begin to believe God is like that as well. He does not feel your pain or share your joy. He has little affections to express to you. You may reap strong emotional consequences if you are raised by this kind of father. The second one, the authoritarian father. The authoritarian father intervenes to stop what you are doing. He hands out a list of do's and don'ts. He interrupts you and says no to the things that are important to you. Your heart is quenched by this. This kind of father does not honor your individuality. He is not interested in your desires or goals, only his own. He wants no partnership or deep intimacy with you, but only to be obeyed. The third one, the abusive father. The abusive fathers inflict pain 
on their children deliberately, hurting them emotionally, mentally, physically, and sometimes sexually. There is no greater torment in life than the torment at the hands of an abusive father. It only destroys the child's natural emotions, but it deeply shapes his relationship with God. The fourth one, the absent father. The fourth type of father is one who is totally absent. Maybe he is the father you never knew, perhaps even dying before you were born. He is not like the passive father who is there yet does not communicate. He simply is never there. Therefore, he never intervenes to help you in times of trouble. You feel totally abandoned and neglected by your earthly father. This hinders your ability to experience the presence of your heavenly father. The fifth one. The accusing father. The fifth father is the most common example. He is the accusing father. He proclaims to love you with his whole heart, but he judges you continuously at every failure. In his mind, he is trying to motivate you to do right. He thinks he points out your, if he points out your failures that you will be motivated to try harder the next time. He rarely shows you affections or affirms you. If you grow up with this type of father, you will have great difficulty understanding the love of your heavenly father because you will think God is always accusing you. Now, last but not least, God the Father, Father Jesus Christ. Jesus always spoke of God as my Father, whether as a formal designation or an address to God in prayer. Closer study reveals that Jesus used this address in all his prayers, with one exception, from the cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This, the reason for this sole exception is not simply that Jesus was drawing from an Old Testament text, which the form of which is the form of address was already supplied in his cry, my father, rather my God, rather than my father, was a consequence of the judgment to which he was being subjected to. Now, Jesus evidently regarded his relationship to God as a penal and judicial one, and not paternal as he hung on Calvary's tree for sinners. But in the other 21 instances where Jesus prayed, he always addressed God as the Father. Yet aside from the exception noted above, this is precisely what our Lord Jesus Christ did every time he prayed. Still more significant is the fact that he used the word Abba when referring to the Father. Most scholars agree that the Aramaic term Abba lies back in the Greek pattern. Now, Abba was a term used in Judaism to express the intimacy, security, and tenderness of a family relationship. More specifically, it was a word that tiny children used to address their fathers, of course, 
it didn't preclude courtesy and respect, but of all, but above all, it was an expression of warm affection and trust. Now, as I read those, were we able to relate to any one of those? I'm sure we've all experienced those. Now, think about have any one of those shaped the way you relate to God? When we think about God as our Heavenly Father. Now, as fathers, as earthly fathers, it, it is important that we see this connection. Because it, it affects the way we relate to others. It affects the way we relate to our spouses and to our children. Now, if we had a good, godly example as a father, man, praise be to God, because that has helped you in the way you deal with your children and deal with your spouse. But I tell you that our Heavenly Father is the perfect example that we can look to. So three things that I'm going to point to, and I'm going to go through different verses to point at these three things is that as an earthly father, it is important that we understand our position, our purpose, and our provision. The first one, our position, is our position before God the Father. It is important that as earthly fathers, we understand our position before our Heavenly Father. The next one that we understand, the purpose that we've been given to by God. This is a calling that we've been given to by God, to be a father. And the next one, it is the provision. The provision that we've been given to by God so that we can carry out this calling. Because if we try to do it on our own, it will be difficult. So as I look to the first one, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. There you can say amen, amen. Matthew 6, verse 9. Now, it is important that as we understand uh, what our role is as a, as a father, we must first understand our position that we have. So the first thing that I want to look at is in Jesus' prayer. In Jesus' prayer, the disciples asked him, out of all the things they asked him, how, how do we pray, Jesus? And so Jesus tells them like this, pray then in this manner. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the first thing that I want to look to is that Jesus said, our Father. He didn't just say, my Father. He said, our Father. That is very, very crucial. A lot of times we say, oh, the Lord's Prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You know, we, we, but we miss how crucial the very first part of that prayer is, our Father. That as 
earthly fathers, we are included to this. But now, let me raise up something that is important. God is creator of all, but he is not father of all. He is father to those who have experienced saving grace. Those who have come into the family. Those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, let us be careful when we tell, well, well God is father of everyone. No, no, no. God is creator of all people. But he is father to those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, this is what we're reminded of. Jesus says, our father. So as earthly fathers, we must be reminded of our blessed position that we have before our God. That we've been included into the family. That we're not apart from this. That we're included into this blessed position. Now the next one that I want to look at is Romans uh, chapter 8. So if you can turn with me. We're going to do a lot of flipping through the scriptures. And, and this is lovely because we get to like... Hear the ruffling of pages. Or uh, those that have on the phone apps <laughs> moving faster. So let us look at Romans chapter 8. Romanos capítulo 8. Amen, amen. For, for uh, my Spanish speaking people. Romanos capítulo 8. Now I won't be able to read it in Spanish. But I'll say it. the edges in Spanish. So when you're there you can say amen, amen. So Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 17, another crucial truth for us to look at about our position before our Heavenly Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. This is what the word of the Lord says. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, who did we say earlier used the term Abba, Father? Jesus. So follow with me is that as earthly fathers, we're seeing this blessed position that's been granted to us because you and I have been adopted into the family of God. So we belong to God. It, nothing in this world can separate you from that truth. So as earthly fathers, this is crucial that we embrace this because we can allow our past to determine who we are today or we can allow the truth of the scriptures to determine who we are today. Because a lot of us have a broken past. Whether they were absent fathers or present fathers, whatever it was. We can allow our past to determine who we are today or the truth of the scriptures. And the scriptures say that we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been given the spirit of God. And because of that. We're no longer slaves. 
but we are children of God. It says that we are sons of God. And because of that truth, this is what it communicates to us. It says that we have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Our Father. The term of intimacy with God. Husbands or fathers, hear me in this. The best gift you can give to your children is your relationship with God. Hear me again. The best gift you can give to your children is your relationship with God. It is not earthly possessions. It is your relationship with God. Because if your relationship with God is on fire, it is being filled, it is overflowing with the love of God, this is what overflows into your relationship with your spouse and with your kids. Don't, don't allow the media and, and the culture to try to inform you of what that looks like. Because you turn to the channels and you see what the TV portray an earthly father to be. Someone who, who lacks love, someone who's abandoned the children, some of them who, who go out on, on these, these, these crazy sprees, man, but they abandon their children, they abandon their marriages, and they promote this to be, oh, this is the next thing to do. Man, the world can easily corrupt this beautiful truth, this beautiful calling that God has given us as fathers. And it is important that we see that the most important gift that we can give our children, it is our relationship with God. And so what we see here, that you have an access to the Father. Not by what you do, but what has been done for you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. And because of that, you and I have access 24-7. 24-7. You see, we can't call our brothers and sisters all day long, right? Because you try to call them at 3 in the morning, maybe they'll answer you. But I'll tell you, someone that will answer you every single day. When you cry out to God, in those moments of difficulty, when you're trying to bear with the weight of responsibility of your children and your spouse, and you're trying to figure it out, and you can't, there is one who you can cry out to, you, cry out to, and that is God. And in this text, that is what we see. Now the next thing. In Galatians, Chapter 3. So if you can turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. You there, you can say, Amen, Amen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. That's Galatians 3. Galatians. Galatians. And 3. 22. Yeah, 22. Yeah. Galatians 3. Yeah. So it says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. 
Yeah. This is very important as well. This position that we have has been granted to us by God and we receive it by faith. Not by works. Not because somehow you were born into it. No, 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 no. Not because you came to church. Not because you read your Bible. Not because of any of that. Not even because one day you prayed a prayer. Your salvation came because of Jesus Christ and you receive it by faith. Not by works, but by faith. So that prayer that you said was by faith. So our prayer don't save us. It is Jesus who saves us. Amen? And so as earthly fathers, this position that we have by God, we've We've received this position by faith. By faith. And so, why do I beat this drum so much? Our identity drives our doing. Follow with me. Our identity drives our doing. Because if I tell you as earthly fathers all the right things that you need to do and the things that you don't need to do, it's going to sound like a to-do list and you're going to check it off and then when you don't meet that same expectations, you're going to feel bad about you being a father and you're going to beat yourself down and you're going to say, I was trying never to be like my earthly father, but now I look at myself in the mirror and I look just like him. Or am I the only one that's gone through that family? I'm telling you, it, it sneaks up on you. And so it's very crucial that we see that we embrace our identity as children of God that we've been brought into this family. Because then and only then, when we look at the things that we're called to do, we do that out of a gospel motivation, out of a grace-driven motivation. How we see, oh, I get this blessed privilege to be a father to my children. I come home tired from work, but now I muster up strength because, man, I praise God for my children. You see, because we can easily come home, look, look, follow with me. Imagine coming home. Because we leave, we live with this kind of longings to, uh, you know, we, we, we're expecting our kids to be able to come to us and, and, and say stuff like this. Look, we come home, a hard day's work, and our children come up to us, oh, Poppy, Poppy, can, can, I, can I fix you up a, a nice cold iced tea for you? And here, oh, 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 Dad, you want me to take off your shoes after working so hard? Here, I'll take off your shoes. Right? Like, wow, that would be amazing. All of a sudden, like, you know, you sit down and, and you, you're, you're, you're at your sofa and they come and they sit down with you. And, and Dad, I just wanted to tell you, all day long I've been thinking about how great of a father you are. How you've always been there for us. Wow. All of a sudden the spouse comes up and the spouse says, 
Oh, my sweet husband. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you, like, I was just teaching the kids today. Oh, how great of a husband you are to me. Like, like imagine that, right? You know, as fathers, we would long to hear stuff like that, right? Like, come home after a long day's work and, and, and feel appreciated for, for the hard work that we put in. But easily, as fathers, that can become idolatrous. Let me rewind you. Easy as fathers, that can become idolatrous. Because when we're not receiving that, it begins to affect the way we show love. You see, if all this time we're, we're seeing God, our Father, and what we're receiving from Him, and when we come home, yeah, it would be awesome to be appreciated that way, right? Can I give an amen by the, by the dads in the house, right? We appreciate it for that. But easily our hearts can long for that more than we long for God. Easily we can try to find worth and value in that and not in God. And so it's very important that the gospel aligns our hearts. Because if you notice that you begin to show conditional love, follow with me. Not unconditional love, but conditional love, meaning that because your kids were showing you love and kindness, now you're going to show it back. If your spouse is showing you love and kindness, now you're going to show it back. But you see, husbands, our calling is a calling of sacrifice. Ooh, man, that is hard. It's hard. Because after a long day's work, you're tired. You're exhausted. Your mind is fatigued. I went the other day to go help uh, my brother-in-law at, at his job. And when I got home, man, I was exhausted. My mind went in to check out. Man, that heat ain't no fun. Man, for real, you're outside in the sun. It drains you out. And you try to come home. It, it ain't easy. So don't, don't, please, I'm not standing up and saying, oh, you got a piece of cake for it, it's going to be, you know, uh, hard, uh, you know, nice chocolates presented. No, 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 no. It is, it's difficult. But if my heart and mind are in the wrong place, it's going to be even more exhausting. But if my heart and mind are in the right place of my position first before God, then when, when I begin to understand my calling as a father, I'm able to take easier steps. It's still going to be difficult, but I'm able to take those steps. And now, now I'm not going to look for value and worth in what my spouse or children say about me, but what God has said about me. You follow with me? So now... The, the next thing that I want to uh, look at as we talk from position, now we're going to go to purpose. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. When you're there, you can say, Amen, Amen.
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Now, this is, this is Paul's prayer. He's praying, he's crying, you know, he's talking through this as he's telling this out. This is what he's saying. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, this is a unique set of words that Paul is using here. He's saying, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. But you see, this word family here, commentators have said about this word here that is in reference to fatherhood. To fatherhood. From where every father draws their example of what a father should be like. So our heavenly father is our perfect example of what an earthly father should be. So Paul is praying here to God. He's saying he bows his knee before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So the word fatherhood, follow with me because this word fatherhood is very important for us as fathers. Instead of allowing the earthly fathers that we see to inform what a, a, a fatherhood should be, we look to our heavenly father as that example. Now, what I want to point out though in this is that The relationship between father and son in the scriptures, when we see God the Father and God the Son, it is the most perfect example of a father-son relationship. So, there's no other earthly examples that are as perfect as that which we see in the scriptures between God the Father and God the Son. And John captures that in such a beautiful and intimate way. John, when we see John writing about the relationship that the father has with the son, oh, it blows my mind. Now, remember when Jesus was being baptized. There is a voice that comes from heaven. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is a key part here. The father says he is well pleased with his son. I was thinking on that. That the father is well pleased with the son. So if we want an example, the perfect example that we can look to is Jesus and his Father. So that we can learn what is our purpose as fathers. So we must look to our Heavenly Father to draw out our understanding of what that would look like. So in John chapter 1, I'm going to look, I'm going to flip through a few verses in here. So in John chapter 1, what I see is this. John chapter 1, verse 14. 
and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see a picture here of Jesus sharing this glory with the Father. What we see a picture when we look at our Heavenly Father is this heart of generosity. And what we're going to look at that these different verses point to the generosity of our earthly, I mean, our Heavenly Father. So we see this in this first passage that He is generous in the glory that He shares. The next one, John chapter 5, verse 18. John chapter 5, verse 18. And it says this. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was called, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with him. But this is because Jesus is telling them in the previous verse that my father is working until now, and I am also working. Jesus is sharing that he is sharing his work with the Father. The task that the Father has given to the Son, they're working together. You see, he invites him into this work. How beautiful it is that as fathers, we're inviting our children into what God's calling us to do. Fatherhood is not something that you do apart from people. Fatherhood is in relation to our children. And so what we're seeing here, how, how God the Father is including Jesus into this task. Now turn with me to John uh, chapter 10. John chapter 10 verse 28. Now look at what uh, verse verse 28 says. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Look at what verse 29 says. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. This reminds me of the father's protection. The Father's protection, no one can snatch them away from the Father. When we talk about the calling as a, as a Father, we talk about provision, you know, as a Father we should provide, but also protect, to protect our kids. When some kind of danger is coming to our kids, how do we normally respond? We're not going to be passive about it. But somehow within us, some kind of strength musters up because we want to protect our kids. Some kind of danger is coming to them. All of a sudden, we respond to that. But look where we're drawing it from. Our Heavenly Father's heart of protection. Now, John 16. John 16, verse 23. It 
in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Again, we have a, a, a giving Father. But look at what he invites us to into his joy. God the Father invites us into his joy. In the same way we're seeing this with the Father and with the Son, we're seeing that as a perfect example for us. When we invite our children, we're inviting our children into a joy that they can experience with us. We're graciously giving to them. We're giving them our time, which is important. Sometimes we give them our leftover time, and, and normally we're already exhausted with that, right? But as fathers, it is important that we're creating that kind of time. Now, uh, the last one that I want to point to in this is uh, in Psalm 145, the passage says this, The Lord is gracious, merciful, and slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. When I was thinking about that, I was like, wow. The Lord is gracious, our example. He is merciful, another example. He is slow to anger. Can I hear an amen? Amen. <laughs> because normally, as fathers, oh, our kids can get pretty upset, like we get angry, right? Am I, am I, am I, am I, am I amen, brother, appreciate that. I'm feeling alone up here. Yeah, they somehow they, they know what, what button to push. They just know what department to open and oh there you go. And it just triggers us off. But here we see that, that it says in Psalm 145 that the Lord is slow to anger. Praise be to God that he's slow to anger. But that is an example for us, but it says that he is a abounding in steadfast love. He's not abounding in steadfast anger. Praise God, right? He is abounding in steadfast love. What an example to us, right? Not only an example, but we're challenged by it. So today, how do we get to that? Because we, we start with our position that we have, with a blessed position that we have as earthly fathers to be Children of the Most High God. But the next one, our, our purpose. As we're seeing our purpose, as we've seen that our Heavenly Father is the perfect example of what that purpose should look like. A one of sacrifice. A one of abounding steadfast love. A one who is slow to anger. One who is gracious and merciful. One who invites you into his joy. One who is present in your life. Because... Man, praise God that the Lord will never leave us, nor forsake us. And that is important for us as earthly fathers, because maybe our earthly father abandoned us. You see, when my dad died, I was upset. I felt that he was selfish because of why he died. I felt that if he wouldn't have gotten the things that he had gotten, he would have never died, and today we would have him here. 
so long, I, I felt hatred and, and, and I was angry. And I'm, and, and I'm telling you, that begins to shape us. But when I hear that God the Father will never leave me, nor forsake me, oh, I want to dwell in that. I want to just bathe myself in that. I want to be reminded that He lavishes us with His grace. Oh, how sweet that is. That that can invade my mind and my heart. That they can flood my emotions. Oh, how he loves us. Like that song, right? Oh, how he loves us. And so as we transition to this point of provision. The provision that God has for us. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Now, many of us as uh, as earthly fathers, we we've we've made many uh, uh, failures. We we failed plenty of times. If we can look at the track record, we'll see how broken it is. But today, let me remind you of this. Beautiful, precious truth that is true for us today, tomorrow, and forever. That there is grace for us. In the midst of our struggles, there is grace for us. Look at what it says uh, in verse 9. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So let me pause for a moment. Because in here, I want to remind you that the grace of God is sufficient for you. <laughs> that as fathers, it is sufficient for us. That, it, that the power of Jesus is made perfect in us. So, so how do we accomplish what God calls us to do? Not on our own strength, not by our own merit, but by looking to Jesus Christ. By being reminded that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and by the power of the Spirit and the grace that Christ provides for us, we're able to move forward. Remember how I said the greatest gift you can give your spouse and children is your relationship with God? This is where it's being rekindled. This is where you're being reminded of that blessed position. You're loved by God. And God provides the grace that you need to carry out the task that He gives you as a father. Now, it says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. Now, in, in the Hispanic culture, we have the term called machismo. As a father, like, hey, no, you gotta tighten up your belt and you gotta show that you. If you got this control, you know, you're going to set everything in place. You're going to, you know, slap your wife around, slap your kids around, and they're going to listen to you. And we, I, I grew up in that kind of culture, in the Hispanic culture, that machismo. That, that the wives were intended, that they were created to serve you at your feet. But we know that they're a rib. They protect our hearts, right? So they're here equal with us. 
In this is saying, I will boast in my weakness. Follow with me. Social media, the culture will say, no, 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 no. You can't show your weakness. And the text is showing, show your weakness. If you're struggling, if you're weak in a certain department, it's okay, my brother. And my sisters, let me remind uh, let, let me remind y'all. We're called to bear with one another. So in an area that 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 the husband is weak at, not to amplify that weakness, not to promote the weakness, but let me help my husband look to Jesus Christ, who is sufficient for him in those moments. You see, you and I got to come to that place where we're okay to talk about our weakness and our struggles with our spouses or with other brothers who are dear to us that will walk with us. Because only then will we begin to experience victory. If we hide our weaknesses, how will we ever know what God will do in and through us? But if you and I are reminded that we're liberated by the grace of God and we can come to God freely, that God is not going to judge us or condemn us, that God knows our story more than we know our own story, and God is longing to redeem the brokenness in our past because he is in the business of restoring and renewing the most broken of people. And so today... Be reminded of our position, our purpose, and our provision. Now, before I move with this last part, this is what I want to say. For all of us together that have had any one of these fathers that, that we saw here, it is important that you and I are liberated by this grace to show mercy and grace and forgiveness. It is a lot easier said than done. But you have the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God in you. And because of that, you can find strength in God to be able to do that. So I would challenge y'all today, as hard as it's been, be reminded, you and I, have the power of the Holy Spirit. You can show mercy and grace and forgiveness to your earthly father, whether he was absent or present. God provides grace and he understands what you've gone through. He's not calling you to something that he's going to abandon you halfway. He is not like our earthly fathers who made promises and didn't keep them. God is a God. When he promises, he keeps his promises. Amen? So today, be reminded of that. So now, earthly fathers that are here today, remember your position. Remember also the purpose. God is our example of the provision that we've been given for our heads. Holy Father, beloved King, we thank you for today, God, as you remind us Bro. of your love. Oh, how you love us. No one can separate us from that love. 
Father God, for us that are fathers and even stepfathers, Lord, God, uh, the calling is a calling of sacrifice, calling of both humility and honor, a calling to persevere, a calling to sacrificial love. But we are not able to do this on our own, but we thank you for what you provided for us, Lord. So I pray today, God, be with us as we are reminded of our earthly fathers, those that are not here, those who have passed away. I pray, Lord, that you would grant us peace today. In Jesus' name, amen. showing us what it is to, to lead the family, to be there for the family. And most of all, thank you for following Jesus. 
Thank you for loving the Lord and showing your children what it is to be a man of God. Because it wouldn't, we wouldn't know what the order would be if he had not shown you. So today, we give you these gifts and blessing your hearts and blessing you just to say we appreciate you. The Lord loves you. And we thank you. Um, women, can we lift our hands up to them? And let's pray for them. And let's pray that God will bring more men of God to the church, to the family, especially to the single mothers who are, who are trying to stand strong right now because the father's not in the home. So let's just pray for them and then just pray for, for, for those who the father are absent right now. Father, we thank you for this time. We praise you because you have shown us what it is to be a good, good father. You lead us, you led us to Christ, knowing that there is no other way but one way, who is Jesus. And yet, Father, you have brought the man of God into our home, the husband, to continue to provide for the family when, it's, when the journey goes upside down, when things and storms are not going the way we want them to go, Father. But yet the husband is still on his knees praying and crying out to you. Father, I pray for these men of God that you would continue to strengthen them, continue to guide them and protect them. Father, will you pour your favor upon them and show them, Father, that they are deeply loved by you. I pray for their children. I pray for their wives, Lord. I pray that you will continue to strengthen their wives as well as they stand behind their man. As they stand and know that they have a good husband. That they know, Father, that no matter what, Lord, you brought them into their lives. Father, I thank you for what you are doing today. And for all the, the fathers who are not here today, Lord, I pray that you will continue to bless them. Father, I pray for the fathers who have who have who are not here, but yet wish the sons could be there with them. I pray as well for them, Father, that you will continue to strengthen the relationship with the Father and the Son. Father, I thank you because I know, Lord, that this year you're going to show every man how to be a man of God. Lord, will you bring them in? Will you show them what it is to be a man of God, Lord? Especially in this neighborhood, Father. There are many men who are lacking to be the family, to, to walk with their family, to walk with their wives, to walk with their children, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you open up the heavens, Lord, and you bring that matter down, Lord. You bring the man into this family, Lord. That you show the man of God what it is to, to run their home. Not in a, in a harmful way, like my husband said, but in a godly way to discipline their children, to lead their wives, to provide for them, Lord. I'm asking, Lord, Father, that this year, that you will break the ground like never before, because Satan has no authority over them, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the wives, Lord. Will you continue to strengthen them, Lord? Will you continue to help them in this time, Lord, even as single moms, Father God? Will you be there with them and comfort them? Lord, you have not left us, nor forsaken us. 
Bless every man in this house, Lord. Every father, every grandfather, stepfather who's having to come in and be the role of the children. They're not even his, but that's, that's what the gospel is, Lord. You brought us in as adopted children and you lead us and you show us what it is to love others as you loved us. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, just one more quick word right before communion because uh, I feel like it has to be acknowledged. Uh, if you see yourself, if you, okay, so we have this list, and if you see yourself being that type of mother, that uh, authoritarian, accusing, uh, you know, abusive, whatever it may be, if you see yourself that type of father, know that there is redemption from that. And it's not, you know, like, here's what you need to do. And here's how to, you know, here's how to reform your, your you know, your authoritative uh, form of management of your family or whatever. It's look to Christ and he will reform you. Um, make no excuse for it. Make no justification for it. Uh, just humble yourself and he will do it. He will get the glory. Uh, but that's it. That's the final note. Um, now, when it comes to communion, I just want to read something from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 17. And I'm just going to go down to 23. And I'm just going to go down to 29. For I received from the Lord, oh, this is Paul the Apostle speaking, by the way. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, uh, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, remember. For as often as you eat this bread, drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the blood, the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone, wait. for anyone who drinks and eats without discerning the body, eats and brings judgment on himself. All right, that's not meant to be a condemnation. It's just supposed to be, you know. A reminder that you know those of us who are in Christ, we are to partake in this as a reminder of what Jesus did for us, right? And uh, side note, you know Paul the Apostle was speaking to believers, so it seems, it seems evident that you know there were a few believers that were you know probably seeing communion and like just a common thing, like okay, here we go again, right? Fine, yeah, it's over. Um, and you know Paul the Apostle saying, you know, like. Treated, treated is more than that. Treated is more than just like an empty ritual. Like there's no, there's no power here. You know, we we uh, expect the Holy Spirit to uh, to be present in whatever we do whenever we're worshiping Him, right? So don't treat this as common. Treat this as what it was intended to be—a remembrance of the Lord. Uh, if you see it, if, you, if you've been seeing it as common, you know, probably you should not take it this time and uh, repent of that. Take it the next time. Um, but yeah, the invitation is for y'all who are believing in Christ. Come up, take it. Um, 
Lord, we glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. 